Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is Jonathan, and I'm joined by Aman. Hey, guys. And I'm joined by a special guest for this episode, Davey, from the What the Hex podcast and a member of our recent ATC team. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Um, just as a reference for what the state of the game is at the time of this episode, um, this is when we're recording, it is July 16th, and Power Unbound is out. We're in the third banned and restricted list. Um, there haven't been any banned and restrictions to uh, Profiteers or Guardians or Power Unbound yet. And Arena Mortis, the White Dwarf game, is coming out this week, although I don't think we've really taken much of a look at it yet. Um, but now that you know what's going on in the game, uh, we're going to move into our first segment, which is all about the ATC, which Woo-hoo. we attended this last week. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so ATC was really cool. Um, I remember when it was first announced, it was it was really exciting. Um, the team format, I think initially um, ATC kind of made a mistake and then mentioned that it was like a doubles event where there would be like two people playing simultaneously against two other people. Mm. Um, I do have a screenshot for reference. And then (laughs) (laughs) um, I think it was taken down like immediately, like within a couple hours. And then after a week or two, the new format was updated and uh, it made a little bit more sense. Though I was a little disappointed and uh, immediately, you know, signed up for it. Didn't realize who was going to be on the team, what was going to happening. But I was like, you know, I have to be a part of this. Hopefully Jonathan will come join me and then we'll find a third. And I'm really happy that it worked out that way. And I'm really happy that, David, you got to join our team. I know it was kind of like almost a last minute thing, but not really. I still feel like we had enough weeks to prepare, Mm -hmm. but um, super excited to have you, man. So thank you so much for joining the team and this episode, Uh, really. Yeah, I was glad. It was entertaining that uh, because Jonathan had had mentioned – that uh, you guys were looking for somebody. And so I'd, I'd sent some to you, but I, I didn't realize from your perspective, uh, some cross communication, you thought I'd like just kind of out of the blue said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you take me on your team? I was like, man, as a, I, I wish I had the cojones to just rock up and be like, you know who you need me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was like, Ooh, out of left field, but I really <laughs> love the fact that you reached out to me. So regardless of how it came about, I think it worked out for the best. And, Again, super excited to have you on and and have you on the team this past weekend as well. Yeah, it was fun. So um, I think when it came to the format, it was really exciting. So for those of you who are unaware with the rules of the ATC, it's a three-man team. And you cannot share any cards amongst your team. However, you can take the same warband as perhaps one or, or even both of your teammates should you decide to do so. So off the bat, we knew, hey... We're going to pick three different uh, factions, and we're going to try to focus on three different competitive styles of play. And so immediately what came to mind was, you know, some sort of magic-heavy build, um, because Power Unbound is just great and full of magic stuff, an objective-based build, and then an aggro build. And, you know, as we were kind of talking, very early on, Jonathan and I, we realized that we were probably going to see or match up against Thorns of the Briar Queen, Curse Breakers, and Molog. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea here is that it's you have you're like 
if you have three different archetypes, we're not we're not fighting for cards as much, right? That's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly so. And so, to your point, we don't really have to share much of a card pool, even though only one of us is going to get ready for action. But <laughs> uh, which uh, we did fight over a little bit. And um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's very much so. You play to the strengths that you're designing to play for, but you're also seeing a lot of cards that you may not necessarily see in the current state of the game, which I thought was fantastic, like Earthquake, Mischievous Spirits, helping, Helpful Whispers, just to name a couple that we were like, wow, you know, I haven't used this card in a long time, but it feels great. And so uh, as we were going about it, I think we had decided, uh, and Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong, but we had decided to kind of run, you know, uh, Curse Breakers, we knew we were going to do Molog for sure, like undoubtedly. He's just that good. And then we were yeah. kind of at a at a toss between Thorns and perhaps another like mid-range maybe slash control build. And um, you know it was a really long debate there. And and, I, and and Jonathan remind me what we why we ended up not going with objectives um, because I'm not really sure. I guess we didn't want to have a mirror match the whole way through. Um, I think so. Um, I mean one thing that I would have been interesting to have tried was one of us at one point had the idea of triple god sworn but <laughs> i think that was davy we we decided not to do that i'm, I'm sure we still would have won but <laughs> um, spoiler alert it's spoiler alert yeah um but <laughs> um no so i, I mean I, I think even now i think that if like i think that the best quote unquote team in a vacuum probably is something like Molog, Thorns, and then maybe Curse Breakers, um, because they all do what they do the best. You could go Aggro Molog, you could go Magic Curse Breakers, you could go Objective Thorns. Um, and all three of those decks would be extremely solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the mirror match between two people running those same warbands, or two teams running the same warband, I think that that mirror would feel very random because I think Molog would beat whoever he fought and then it would kind of be a toss up between curse breakers who would probably have the edge over thorns and then thorns who I think are a little bit better into Molog than curse breakers are, but it was just two rock, paper, scissors, I think. Yeah. And so we wanted to try something different. And I can say from my perspective, you know, I thought, I thought it was a good idea to bring an objective, uh, deck, but, or an objective based board band, but, uh, I, I know me personally, I didn't have the reps to have any confidence so I was going to have to fall on one of the two of you um, as far as that went. I think, Jonathan, you were prepared to do it if, if need be, but um, I think uh, I think that combined with your reasoning there was why we slipped that, slipped the direction we did. Exactly. And and also because I don't think any of us wanted to play objectives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but to Jonathan's point, he's absolutely correct. I think our strategy here was Let's minimize the randomness as best as we can. Let's tailor to create decks that can do well against any matchup, but have a preferred strategy. And so we ended up going with Davey with Molog, mm-hmm. Jonathan with Guardians, and myself with Profiteers. Mm-hmm. And I know you're probably wondering, well, that's completely different from the original <laughs> game plan, right? We only ended up going with one of the three, but there are, are reasons behind it. And so... Um, I guess, Jonathan, you know, why did you end up going with Guardians over Curse Breakers? 
Um, so I guess the main reason is I think we thought that Profiteers was going to be a really good choice because of how much Molog there would be. Because um, I think Molog right now is so powerful and so dominating that if you're not prepared for him, he's going to win his match uh, pretty much just without even trying. Like he, he, I think Molog probably had the best win rate at the event, although I'd have to confirm that. Um, well, I may have, uh, I may have made them not. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is true. Um, I felt like if I was playing curse breakers, there would be almost nothing I could do to beat Moloch. Um, I did some early tests and because I only have three fighters, if the luck goes Moloch's way, that can quickly turn into just my whole warband being dead. Um, in some of the earlier versions, I was running frozen in time. I was running... Uh, rebound and um, transfixing stare, things like that, to try to mitigate some of it. But then the other thing was we were pretty sure that Molog was, they were going to see some Tomes Molog because of how successful it had been in the UK. Um, and in that situation, you you have to actually be able to kill Molog. You can't avoid him or try to outscore him or try to stall him with Frozen in Time or things like that because he could very likely score seven glory at the end of the game with Acolyte of the Cataphranes. Um, so I took Guardians because I felt like they were going to survive Moloch a little bit better. And I think we took Profiteers because we thought he, if we can put him into Moloch, then we may actually be able to just beat Moloch. Because if anybody's going to be able to kill Moloch, it's probably going to be Profiteers. And I think if you go over your Profiteers deck, um, you'll see why. Right, exactly. Um, valid points and, and kind of exactly what we were thinking. And then, you know, another thing was we kind of fought over, not not really fought, but kind of, you know, ag- argued a little bit on who should play Molog. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but Jonathan and I have been quite vocal, if you're a fan of the podcast, how we dislike playing against Molog <laughs> and as Molog. And and Davey kind of like uh, took the bullet for the team, if you will. And so Davey, I know that you mentioned you didn't have much practice with Molog going into the event. So how did you prepare with Molog? Um, what you know deck did you decide going with, and and how did you kind of you know make it come all together? Well, so right out of the gate, I think I uh, said that I wanted to go tomes with him, and this was uh, Carlin had released his article, but it it hadn't really blown up quite yet. Uh, right right when we went that way, and I. Two bits of thinking on that. One was that uh, I thought it would reduce some of the competition for some of the aggro type uh, upgrades and maybe some of the some of the aggro uh, gambits. Uh, so that would help us out from that respect and lean me towards control. And so, and then the other piece is that uh, since I have been playing a lot of off-meta stuff, I've been playing some control steel hearts, and so I was feeling pretty comfortable with the, at least the mindset needed for a control play. So I thought I could. Uh, Kind of give myself a little bit of a head start on my learning curve if I if I played it into a, uh, a a deck archetype that I was at least somewhat familiar with. So went with that. Um, had actually a couple iterations. We uh, although I was going tomes the whole way. At one point, going off of sort of Carlin's template, I ended up having to give up a number of, of passive objectives. Like uh, he was using his his example had martyred and. Calculated risk, and I think I ended up giving them to you for profiteers. Uh, and then I thought I thought I was going to have to 
go with a little bit more aggro, but then uh, we, we kind of got our heads together and, and uh, backed it off to uh, enough passive stuff that I could I could stay pretty pretty hard control, basically. Yeah, exactly. So I think I remember at one point we were like, we were on this call. And, and by the way, how we prepared for this is at first we started sending Underworld's DB links to everybody. And, and that was kind of a nightmare <laughs> to go through. Yeah. Um, so we decided to put everything in an, uh, a Google sheet and we just put all three decks side by side. And we said, hey, build the deck how you'd want it. And, you know, if they're overlapping cards, we'll highlight them and then we'll kind of just run through it. And then we had a call one night where we just finalized the deck. So as best as we could um, and kind of divvied up which restricted cards or most taken cards we would kind of get. And the roles here were, you know, number one, we were like, we have to build a deck that's going to probably win every matchup. And that was Molog, right? As yeah. you mentioned, as you mentioned, you know, like some of the guys in the UK had, you know, pioneered this deck. I think it was Michael. And then he, you know, it started getting some steam. And then right before our event, the results for the UK, uh, I guess, Warhammer World uh, Grand Clash came out. And again, a Molog Tome deck had won. So it kind of validated our, our reasoning behind it. And then um, so we were like, OK, take all the tomes you want, take all the objectives and upgrades you want. But, you know, keep in mind that we have these roles to play. And these roles that we're mentioning is, number one, Molog is going to win every game, no matter what, no matter who he goes into. Let's try to make him win. Um, if we can pick our preferred matchup, which, again, there's a pairing system for this event. So team captains will roll off four dice kind of standard board role and whoever wins the winner gets to pick the first matchup so that's a huge advantage because no matter what you immediately get to set up for your best matchup or at least your best perceived matchup the other captain who loses that initial role gets to pick the next matchup which then leaves the final matchup to pair up naturally so sometimes it is a benefit to go second because you technically get to set up two matchups but again your options are limited because a player who won the roll off uh, got to set up the matchup that mm -hmm. they thought was best, right? So uh, apologize if that's a little confusing, but <laughs> I hope you followed through. So the goal was Molog wins every game. And then my deck, I ended up going with the Profiteers because, number one, I felt extremely comfortable with them. Um, I was very comfortable with the play style, and I know for a fact that I can kill Molog, right? I can take him down if I really need to. I got all the, you know, Tome of Offerings, Trap, Pit Trap, um, yeah, you, know, I think you it, name it. I think it was, I think it was a good decision too to give you Tome of Offerings, even though Moloch had the Tomes deck. Mm -hmm. That was the one Tome we didn't give him, because because of the way we had to share some of the other objectives. I think your deck only had fourteen or fifteen glory in it. Fifteen, uh, yeah. Fifteen, yeah, which is a little bit low for the you know normal game. Um, so I think that was a good call, giving you the the glory boost. And then in my deck, I had Crown of Avarice. Um, and we'll have all the decks in the show notes and everything. Um, so I, I thought that was... And that, you know, Crown of Avarice probably won me a couple games in and of itself. Um, Such a the other card. thing that we did that I thought was really good is, uh, even though, you know, your deck was sort of pointed towards aggro a little bit more, and mine was more of a control, and Davies was a control. They were all set up to sort of handle anything. Um, mm -hmm. And because we knew Molog was going to be such a big part of the game, um, we made sure you had the damage to kill Molog, 
we made sure I had things like Rebound and uh, Curse of the Dwindling to try to handle him and beat him if we needed to. We sort of went in assuming that we would lose to Molog, but we wanted to be as prepared as possible to beat him. Because I think just because he's so good, and especially in this format, because most people don't have a full deck, like he's just such a dominating part of the, the game. Mm-hmm. And I think we only faced one uh, team without him. Yeah. So. And it was really interesting that you mentioned that because we built our Molog to avoid the other Mologs. Yeah. And it's such like a you know cat and mouse or tic-tac-toe style of game where anything can happen. And so um, we figured, we assumed that most people aren't going to want a pair of Molog into Molog. So we felt we were safe mm-hmm. in that yeah. regard. And uh, I remember there was one round, uh, Davey, where the guy was like, yeah, I don't want to play a mirror, so I'll just go into dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Yeah, and we were like, perfect, that works out. <laughs> because um, I, ironically, I think Tome's Molog more often than not will lose to an aggro Molog. Agreed. Sure. Ready for action and my turn. And Right, I didn't have any of the extra activation stuff like like you're saying, uh, aggressive defense or anything like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, then, so a lot of it was like a mind game to try to game the match the matchup system. Agreed. And 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 lastly, Jonathan's deck was also anti objective. So I know you had unmaking, leech power, uh, as right. well as distraction. Yep, I had all three of those. And then just because of how fast um, the warband is and how much range they have, and then things like uh, Anslane's double kill ability with uh, the spear. Or the Nullstone yeah. Spear. Um, I was pretty confident that I would be able to take apart the larger warbands, like Thorns, like sure. Shellogs, anything like that. Your, your speed, your range all play into that, and then the fact that you have a lower starting damage is not a, as big a deal if you're trying to kill Chain Rasps or Goblins or something like that. So I, I think that was our thing. And I there. think we were hoping that if uh, Moloch did end up against an objective warband, they wouldn't have the aggressive tools they needed to kill him. Mm-hmm. And so he would be able to kind of just run rampant. Mm-hmm. And then we gave uh, the uh, Profiteers Mischievous Spirits to help counter right. any objectives you might face. Um, so we were all pretty ready for any matchup, which I think was important because I think, at least for me, there was a, a couple times when uh, I ran into something that maybe I wasn't an ideal matchup. Um, but we were we managed to pull it through. Yeah. Also, I remember I was really like adamant that like Davy, you need to take Earthquake. Uh, but <laughs> you were like, no, dude, like I I need some of those other restricted cards, and and I, I'm glad you went with that because another mind game is that objective warbands want to stay away from Molog. But in this yeah. situation, our Molog would have probably lost to objective warbands. And so uh, for that regard alone, again, you know. I guess the mind games worked out. Everyone assumed we'd have this really crazy aggro Molog that's just going to go in and eat face. And and as Davey mentioned, he was just walking in circles reading books. <laughs> yeah. At the end of each round, they say, hey, how'd it go? I was like, I oh, just walked in circles, read some books. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. Was, and so it was actually the Profiteers deck that was hitting the hardest. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess... When we got to the venue, it was really funny. We were the last ones to roll in, of course, walking with some style. And uh, <laughs> uh, the TO, um, his name is James Monk. He's from the uh, Games Workshop events team. 
And he was like, oh, thank God you guys are here. We needed uh, another team. Um, and so we were the 12th team to arrive, the last team. And so there were a total of 12 teams of three, which was honestly more than I thought there'd be. Um, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think there was going to be that many teams. Um, but surprisingly, uh, James thought there'd be more. So uh, I don't really know why that happened. But Yeah, uh, I, I think first year, people not being familiar with it, all that sort of thing was was made some uncertainty around it. So, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I was, I was real afraid that we'd show up and there'd be six teams or, or worse, like seven and then somebody would be buying, having a buy every round. So. Yeah. 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 Be- because it's mainly a 40 K event and it doesn't have any, and the two events overlapped. So no one in the 40 K event would be able to play in the, uh, underworlds event. And cause we actually knew quite a few players in the 40 K event that sure also really like underworlds. Right. Yeah. Randall Jeff, Slate, so. Jeff Osborne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Osborne and, and Randall Slate. Randall was uh, coaching his 40K team, so shout out yeah. to Randall. <laughs> uh, also, before we get into kind of how the event went, I want to thank a couple people for uh, helping us practice. Um, so number one, Michael Carlin, uh, thank you for practicing with me. Um, it was really weird working out the timing. Some of you might be thinking, he lives in England, how'd you practice? Um, where there's this little thing online called TTS. If you know, you know. And um, uh, we got some games in on uh, on Tuesdays. And he stayed up a little late for me, so I really appreciate that. And then also John Reese for just throwing in his inputs on some of the decks. Although we generally, I guess, <laughs> didn't go with uh, some of his suggestions just because of the, <laughs> um, the way that we all wanted to play our decks. I think it did give us some great perspective. So thank you to both of those guys. They were great. Um, I know, yeah, Jonathan, um, you practice with a local player as well. Yeah, yeah I practiced with a local friend of mine, Jonathan Lloyd. Um, he was playing uh, Thorns. He's getting ready for Gen Con. And uh, so just throwing my first, the Curse Breaker deck that I was thinking of bringing um, against him and really just getting destroyed because one of the other things I didn't mention is when you're forced to play Curse Breakers with a limited uh, card pool, you kind of have to go full aggro. And there are other warbands that do aggro much better than you do. And once you lose one or two fighters, like it gets really hard. So I'm thankful that he kind of destroyed them a couple times and made me think, like, man, I need to spread out a little bit. I need more control. I need more passive scoring and all the things that the Guardians let me do. Um, so that was great. I took the, the my initial Guardians deck to a local tournament in uh at the denton games workshop and played some people there and that was really helpful as well so thanks to everybody that was there too um and then lastly on the discord uh connected to the reddit um one of the players there whose username on that is nick ramon he gave us some feedback on the on a very similar event they had in uh i believe italy um and his input on what the meta was like there and the things that they were running um, was pretty helpful for our initial brainstorming. So thanks to him as well. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He he did, they did take end up Moloch, Cursebreakers, and Thorns, right? His team and ended up winning it. Not only his team, but like three or four other teams also had the same matchup. And it was him who was saying how rock, paper, scissor it was. Oh, and that okay. just didn't sound like something that we needed to gamble on. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. agreed. Because it's all did. down to luck and skill. And, you know. yeah. yeah. 
Jamie, uh, for did me, you have anyone you wanted to shout out? Yeah, obviously uh, my partner in crime up here, Phil Clevin, who uh, ran some uh, Guardians against me a couple times and a little bit of Curse Breakers. Um, I got some... Uh, Chris, Chris Spark threw some weird decks at me, but it was good for me to get my deployment and actually uh, figure out because he's using weird rat stuff. But it, it uh, let me let me practice against something that was really really fast uh, and actually pretty aggro, and just figure out how I would deal with that. So I actually got some okay reps out of that. And then the uh, biggest one is to uh, Max Bernstein, who through we set up the webcam, mirror each other, set up, and uh, I played against his curse breakers a bunch of times uh, and got. Got uh, some kinks worked out, um, and uh, uh, and then also uh, Jonathan. Uh, at the last minute, uh, we got it. We snuck a game in, and uh, uh, you reminded me of rebound, so that was healthy to uh, have that in my brain. <laughs> Did it go in. off? Yeah, yeah. I oh, lost. No. Uh, I lost the game for it. Yeah. So, but it was good because I was like, oh yeah. I mean, that is. I I have to be super careful about that. So. Oh yeah, you um, guys were playing while I was traveling, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I guess the other thing, I mean, it, useful stuff. I don't know if you guys had any particular lessons learned. Um, for me, it was even just a small rule, like, uh, a move action has to end in a different hex for some reason I had it in my head that only applied to a charge. But, um, so it was good to, good to work out those kinks, um, before, uh, before the day of, so I didn't throw a game because I got some goofed up. So, yeah, I think you reminded me that. Curse of the Dwindling lasts the whole game and not yeah, one yeah. round like I thought it would if it was a balanced card. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but yeah, not not as much practice as I as I would have liked, but at least uh, enough to to get the job done if we we're setting me up for success anyway. Well, I think there's also something called overpractice, right? So I'm I'm kind of glad we got. I would rather be underpractice than overpractice. So sure. Kind of glad that we did get some games. And so uh, it takes a village to anyone who's listening. Find some great players in your area or even across the world and, and just try to get some games in because those are the people that are going to up your skill level and maybe, you know, in, in our case, help you uh, not only learn new things, but keep track of things that you might, you know, forget or, or lose track of. So shout out to everyone who helped us um, prepare for the event. Um, your contribution was much appreciated and you know very welcome in the future so um, as I mentioned we got there and uh, immediately you know we go to the captain's meeting so I'm there with with everyone from the team and then um, you know there was this uh, guy named Josh Miller from he was he, he was the captain of the Canadian crits and so I guess the first pairings were random but they didn't use BCP even though it was advertised um, so it was a bit strange but the original format was two days, so uh, everybody would play five rounds the first day, and then we would go to a top 16. And because there were 12 teams, I guess everyone was going to qualify the second day. And so I know some people were like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But we decided to kind of go with it for the first round. And so they were like, hey, Canadian Crits, who do you want to play? And uh, Hillary looks at me and goes, we're going to play you guys. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. And so we uh, matched up across the table from each other, and we rolled the dice and uh, we got lucky. I won the roll. And so immediately uh, off the bat, you know, looked at what they were playing. And it was Molog, Cursebreakers, and Godsworn. Mm -hmm. And so immediately, you know, pulled the guys aside. <laughs> and I was like, Dave, do you want Cursebreakers? And uh, he goes, yeah, I do. <laughs> and uh, matched up into that. And then they picked Molog into Profiteers, which is what I was hoping for. 
and then uh, Jonathan, you got left with the Godsworn matchup. So, uh, Davey, how did your game go? Uh, so I was playing against Mark. He set me up long boards in the first game, which meant that I kind of took it took it without ever having to really flex too hard. Uh, and then in the second game, I won boards and put us long again. And he just didn't have any didn't have any reps against a defensive Moloch, so he wasn't wasn't really sure what to do. Um, did his best, but I I just uh, between the between the deployment and lack of experience, and uh, I I just kind of ran ran away with a, a 2-0 win there um, without. Uh, Without getting in too much danger. So. Yeah, you, I, mean, I think we won 15-11 and then 12 to four. Yeah. 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 Very nice. And, and Jonathan, how was the Godsworn matchup? Um, it was pretty good. The it was a matchup that I think I would normally give to the Guardians um, because of their speed and because uh, of how durable Galligan is and how many defense dice um, you can get. I think generally I, I'm okay with the matchup, but anytime you play against Godsworn, there's always a chance they're just going to blow you up and you're just going to die. Um, so the first game, it was pretty close, I think, at the beginning, um, and we were just kind of trading. And then if I remember correctly, I got the Nullstone Spear on Anslain. I think I might have ended up uh, kind of hiding in the back. Um Actually, I remember. So they killed Yulthari very early on. Um, and that was kind of scary because that's what all my magic is tied to. But then I got the Nullstone Spear out, and I uh, think I double-killed a couple of them and managed to pull away that game. Um, do you know the score of the first game I'm on? Yeah, I wrote them all down. Uh, you won 19-7 to first game. Okay. Yeah. So the funny thing about Godsworn is usually you'll win by a lot, or sometimes you just melt. <laughs> and so once Yothari died, then I think my, you know, next few attacks just pretty much all worked, um, and ended up wiping him out. So um, then the second game was pretty much the opposite, where my entire warband just kind of melted. And I remember I was trying to score Miraculous Escape, um, and I had last chance, and that didn't work. And just all of his attacks were three dice, but or three or more dice, but they just all went through. So I ended up breaking, and I don't think I scored more than maybe two glory in that. Uh, yeah, two to nine. Game. Yeah, so that was a pretty one-sided game. Um, and then, so it went to the third one, um, which was also pretty close. But I learned in the second game how important it is to keep Galligan in the back because against Godsworn with the new worthy kill and worthy deed, killing him can be worth anything from one to like five or six glory. Um, so I just kept him in the back, went forward with Anslane and Scathiel and sort of kept my uh, wizard in the middle towards the back. And once the initial charge came through from the Godsworn, I think maybe they killed Scathiel, um, I was able to come forward and pretty much just kill him all. And I think I got the spear out again in that game. And, man, it, it, it's a lot like having ready for action when it works. So um, that, that ended up pretty good for me in that uh, second game as well. Yeah, you won that one 17-6. to six. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right on. Um, so my games are a little different. So I ended up playing... Uh, Josh Miller, 
There was still, actually, there was two Josh Millers on the team, but one went by <laughs> Joshua. So I think you played against Joshua Miller, uh, Jonathan, and I played against Josh Miller. Yeah. And it was crazy. Miller was spelled the same way with an A. <laughs> Um, but they, uh, they drove like 11 hours down from uh, uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, so um, played first game. Uh, first game went pretty pretty good, actually. I won 16-3. to I just melted Molog and then cleaned up. Uh, and I was like, okay, this looks great. You know, like, I guess this works. Um, second game, Molog kind of did what he did best. And he just ravaged my warband. He was just rolling hot, rolling crits. And honestly, the thing with Malog, and, and this is why we harp on him so much, and he's such a big part of the meta, is that you really can't do anything when Malog hits you, right? Like, if Malog rolls hot, generally you're going to lose. And despite the fact that my opponent, and this is not to take away from my opponent's skill level, he he was he played his deck very well. He was a great player. Their team actually ended up went, uh, finishing third, but um, he went undefeated, the guy I played. And so, spoiler alert, I lost this round. Um, so... Mm-hmm. He had kind of a rogue deck, like he had loner in there, uh, which he said he scored every every time he drew it. Like, yep. he, and uh, what was he? He had the uh, cloaking shadows. Yeah, cloak of shadows for which was on like, defense if no one's around you. Like, which oh, is man. like the literally like anti profiteers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, wasn't too fun. I remember at one point I like ran Iron Hail up to Molog just so he wouldn't get two defense. Um, just to <laughs> start and shoot point blank sure. with his Gatling gun. Um, third game. Uh, again, Mala kind of just went hot. I was able to kind of get a strong start, no pun intended, and then um, after that just got melted. So third game went 7-12, a very, very well played to, to Josh. Uh, he, he played that deck very well, and he had some insane tech, which kind of worked perfectly into the matchup. And uh, we ended up winning the round 6-3. to three. So every time one of us wins, we gain three for the team. So if you, your whole team wins every game, or at least wins the round, or each of their matches, it would go 9-0. So right off the bat, um, we almost kind of got knocked out of the winning, or the running, because of this scary Molog deck. And I know that Jonathan's game went to game three as well. So it was actually a big reality check for me, at least. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, man, this is no joke, you know, like... yeah. Part of me thought it was kind of be a little, a little like in our favor, and and Josh kind of just brought me right down to like level one. Yeah. yeah. When I when I stood up from finishing my first two and saw you guys had both split them, uh, I think because you both won your first one. Yeah, because that's right. We everyone won the first game. Looked over, it's all thumbs up. And I got done and looked over, and you guys were going to game three, and each of those was like, oh no, this is uh, scarier than I thought. So then, yeah. It's a, a little uh, little nervous start, I guess, to the whole thing, which is even more so with uh, the change to format that happened right after. Yeah, exactly. You're right. So after round one, um, we have our captain's meeting before the next round. And then, um, you know, some ideas are thrown out. And then there's this idea that's like, hey, why don't we just make this a one day Grand Clash? We'll have four rounds, top two teams after the four rounds will advance to a final and then tomorrow everybody can play in the grand skirmish and so in my head and and i guess we had talked about it previously because we heard the rumblings we were like yeah no one's going to go for that because like half the teams are already like starting off with a disadvantage (laughs) and then we go into this team meeting and everyone's like oh yeah let's do it and and i was kind of taken aback because i was like wow i didn't really think they were going to go for that but um 
you know, wasn't complaining. I guess we won the first round, so we were going into it uh, and playing our next game, which was uh, some guys who had won their matchup as well. And unfortunately, uh, the team names start to get a little fuzzy from here on out. But um, round two was against a very lovely team, uh, and they were playing Iltharis Guardians, Cursebreakers, and Molog. So we go up and roll the dice again, and uh, I won the roll-off again. So, um, as you can expect, we put Davey into Curse Breakers. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, well, then they uh, match us up. Uh, did they do, they did a Guardian's Mirror for Jonathan? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, Amon, you got Molog a second time in a row. So. As planned. Yeah. Uh, well, um, speaking of as planned, I ended up, I was playing their team captain, Jesse, who had uh, kind of built the decks. He had the most experience on the team. And, uh, he was pretty tired. They were up late building the decks the night before and uh, sat down. I, he did not like his uh, his odds right away. I, he also thought I was going aggro or right out of the gate. And then uh, same sort of thing. I, I, I was able to longboard it twice in a row and kind of kind of stay out of reach. And uh, once he realized what was going on, he knew he was in trouble because he'd given most of the mobility cards uh, to the other decks. So he didn't he didn't really have all that much. Um, and I had been clustering squigs to protect against alone in the darkness. Uh, also forgetting that, uh, normally I'd be worried about cry of thunder, uh, maybe peeling some of them off, but, uh, I was, I was using these boards with a lot of blocking terrain and I forgot that, uh, cry of thunder now needs line of sight. So they were, I, he cry of thundered Molog and I was like, what are, what are you doing? Why not the squigs? Like, I can't see him, dude. And I was like, oh yeah, sorry. So, um, I, not only was I able to longboard in these matchups, but without it was actually a, a kind of a gift that Amon gave to me was taking calculated risks off my calculated risk off my hands meant that I had full freedom to uh, just take boards that uh, were extremely safe with block terrain and, and I didn't have to worry about getting pushed into lethals with Molog who absolutely had to stay alive. So uh, that's that's about all I had to say against that about that. Yeah, you won your first game sixteen to seven. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have the score for the second game. I guess I never got it from you. But uh, I think it was fifteen five, maybe. It, it was uh, the second one went even more so. Sure, Jonathan. Um, yeah, and I, I'll, I'll definitely agree with uh, Davey. I don't think I miscalculated risk really at all. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I feel like you have to take it normally, but when you're not allowed to, like it was refreshing to be able to just choose the board that I felt was the best. So I may actually take it a little bit less. In the future, we'll have to see. But um, anyway, um, this match was a mirror between the trees versus the other trees. Um, I, mirrors tend to just be very like chess-like to me, um, because you you have exactly the same fighters. Like whoever takes out the most important fighter, like if you're trading, you know, like a, a Yolthari for a Scathiel, then like that's worth it. And uh, just a lot of it just felt like the dice were going my way. I think the first game, I think I just made every single attack I made, um, or I attempted, and then uh, just kind of won pretty handedly. Um, and then the second game was very similar. Um, I think that one of the reasons why we didn't take more than one Magic Warband was because we wanted to be able to focus and funnel all the power into one Warband. And it seemed to me like most likely because they had curse breakers and guardians, um, they may have watered down some of the flexibility that they were able to have 
um, and some of the focus. So he had some interesting cards in, like it was his was more of a I think control build. Um, he I think he had denial in there, um, but really the first game just went my way luck wise, and then I think the second game was similar. Um, and I think my spells helped me burn down Athari early, and then that's just really hard to recover from in general with Guardians, but especially in this limited format where um, you don't really have the cards to get as flexible as you might want to be. Sure. Yeah, I remember you won those games pretty handedly, 15 to 6 and 19 to 5. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In any well mirror playable. match, once you get that advantage, it tends to really spiral um, because. You just have more tools. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess reoccurring theme here is I played Molog. Um, but this time they weren't an aggro matchup. They were Tomes. And so I'd kind of prepared for this matchup because I knew that the role going in was that I'm going to play against Molog no matter what because either I will lose by a very small amount because of my score immediates mm-hmm. or I have enough firepower to take him out and we can win the games. Um, I was a little concerned about Tomes. So we put we gave me Fainway and Hidden Paths, which yep. ended up not being a detriment to you guys too much. I know Jonathan, you said you missed at least having one of them, um, and I know Davey, you took a losery fighter. Um, oh yeah, I love that card. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we gave you Spectral Wings as well. We we really just piled all the damage and the mobility into you so that you could have as much advantage in this matchup as possible. Absolutely. And uh, one of the tech cards I took was One Step Ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you're not if you're not familiar with it, and there's an epic story with that later on, but um, if you if you're not familiar with it, you can only play it in the final power step of the game, and you have to roll a dice. And if you get the correct roll, which I think is a hammer or a, a crit, you can name an objective that you think your opponent might score, and if they do try to score it, they can no longer score it. So for me, it was like, if I'm playing a Tomes deck, they're going to have Acolyte of the Cataphranes. So I'll just play this card, and on a 50-50, I'll stop them from scoring, you know, 5, 6, 7, maybe even 8 glory. And so um, that was the concept here was, you know, let's get in there. Let's either kill Moloch fast if we can, or hopefully the luck will be on our side. So played the first game, uh, Kat, who is Jesse's wife. Uh, she longboarded me. Um, ended up getting the Molog in time and taking him out and won 13 to 9. Um, so we go into the second match. Cat uh, long boards me again. And uh, this time things went a little bit differently. Um, I remember at the end of the game we were tied 13-13. And I, was, I had fighters on objectives and she didn't. And so I was like, here we go, you know. She's going to play Acolyte of the Cataphrane. So I played one step ahead, but I failed the roll. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I, she ended up scoring six glory, which went from a, I was going to win off a tiebreaker to 13, 19. So I'm like, oh man, here we go. So we get into, uh, game three. This time I win the role. Or I think, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't want to say for sure. So regardless of what happened, I got in there. Um, and I got, I didn't realize how actually powerful, Drax skewer is in this matchup and you know lessons learned as Davey was mentioning earlier for me it was like man Drax skewer really makes can make or break this matchup and I was playing with him pretty aggressively in this matchup and I was like you know what I got the right cards let's see if I can do it run in there 
uh, or got him inspired early from a calculated risk or something like that or change of tactics. So bumped him up to three damage, went in there, hit him for three, or Molog, uh, put on Prize Vendetta, ready for action, nailed him again for three, pushed him back, trap, took down Molog. Um, so it was super exciting and won that game 18-3 to three pretty handedly. So, uh, um, you know, again, g- gameplay kind of worked out, you know, like, yeah, it's, it sucks dropping a game uh, because I think first tiebreaker is, is um, game's lost. But again, right, strategy paid off. Davey took yeah. down Curse Breakers, Jonathan took out the wild card, and I successfully took down Molog. So round two, things were looking up a little bit from, from uh, round one. And so we went into round three after a brief captain's meeting. And um, this one was really cool because we got to meet Matt uh, Matt Martin, who yeah. was like, if you're familiar with the Facebook pages, and David, you got along with him really well, yeah. so I'll let you you know speak to it. But he he loves corn. Uh, if you haven't, yeah, heard. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I he brought Magors, right? Like that was that was uh, kind of a rogue choice that we weren't uh, expecting. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're they're rolling in. They've got. Uh, Magors, uh, Profiteers, and Curse Breakers, and uh, we win that role. And you turn to me, you say, "Who do you want?" I said, I'll take Curse Breakers again. And, you know, I've got that figured out now. And this was kind of funny because I think we assumed that because their team was Magors, Profiteers, Molog, if we put our Molog into their um, Curse Breakers, um, that they would not want to go for the Mirror. Or I don't know what I said, but it's Curse Breakers, Magors, um, Profiteers was their team. Yeah. yeah. So if yes. we put our Molog into their Curse Breakers, then I think I thought anyway that they would want to avoid the mirror. They would put the Profiteers into me and the Magors into Profiteers. But they did not do that. <laughs> they put no. the Magors into me, and I was kind of scared of that um, because of how much damage they do. Yeah, exactly. So like I, I knew that was the thing is is like if we give Molog into Curse Breakers, I think Magors have a tough time against Profiteers. I almost feel like in recent meta they've kind of pushed them out a little bit or dropped them down a notch. And so I wanted that matchup. Don't get me wrong. Like I had full. I was like, yes, I hope they go with Jonathan's plan. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think they, they absolutely didn't. made the right choice. Yes, uh-huh. they did. But I just hate mirror matches, and maybe I was coming off that other mirror, and I was so the man when they put McGorgas against me, I was not feeling good about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mirror match for Thunderix is terrible, but um, yeah. Why don't we get into? Uh, uh, I'm sure Davey's gonna have a similar story, but uh, <laughs> Davey, well, how did that Curse Breaker matchup go? So this, uh, I, I, I will say, in this entire tournament, I never, I never mulliganed uh, any cards. I, I held every hand that I took. This game was the first scare I had where I had maybe maybe a, uh, an objective hand that I should have mulliganed. So I ended up in early uh, chasing. chasing. I saw a chance to kill an uninspired uh, curse breaker. He, he was in a spot where he could be trapped, uh, and I had some uh, accuracy upgrade, and I needed the glory to get enough to score escalation and get things rolling. I was like, ah, I, I can do this early enough and get a couple whacks at it. Uh, but... Uh, Created out, and then on my second attempt, he 
he was inspired. And so that was not odds on necessarily. And all of a sudden I was surrounded by like all three curse breakers with Molog up on his own in enemy territory, which is exactly now I'm not supposed to be doing this. So I had, uh, this is the first time that bag of tricks came in clutch is I won the first activation in the second round. Batsquig opened up his bag of tricks, uh, dug out an illusory fighter and then pulled Molog back to safety. And then I just kind of cruised to victory. Um, and the second game, uh, this was, uh, Blake, I believe he uh, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He threw Curse Breaker forward extremely aggressively, got him inspired off a Gambit spell, and uh, he was in a spot to start blasting Squigs in round two, or uh, start chipping away at Molag with some with some upgrades. And uh, there, that so that that was uh, a little scary. I did hit him once, but he had uh, one wound left because he he got an Eldritch Ward up, and so I was trying to engineer a way that it. I could get that last wound off him. And uh, I had this cool plan that I knew I was going to survive the next hit. I'd use uh, I'd use either Illusory or Commanding Stride to move into a Hex next to him and then open up the Tome of Diseases and just get the one auto wound pushed through. Nice. But be- before I could do that, he tried to cast Sphere of Gur and killed himself on a double crit for the spell. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, Oh, so that was unlucky. pretty entertaining. It actually, it actually hurt me because uh, I, I had the guaranteed kill coming up, and uh, by doing that, he de- denied me defensive strike, um, which <laughs> all it needs is your warband to kill him. So, uh, but that's uh, that's uh, pretty pretty uh, cheap cheap change there. So, uh, and then kind of walked away with that one once uh, he put everything into curse breaker, getting into my territory, and then I could read the Tome of Glories while lounging on an objective and. And rack up what I needed to rack up. So sipping your pina colada. Yeah, another no, another two zero with the the uh, erudite troll. Very nice. Yeah, you won seventeen to four and then fourteen to five. Very nice. Jonathan, how to go against Magors? Um, this was an interesting set of games. Um, this was against Matt Martin. Um, and I just want to say he was a great opponent. Um, just very enjoyable to play against and he really just kept up his spirit even though things did not go his way the whole time um for one thing i think i won boards all three times and he was telling me that up to this point he had actually not won boards yet in the tournament um (laughs) which for magors is like pretty devastating because it's almost like you only have two or three fighters that way because sometimes Zarkus and Garntok just never even get into the fray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I don't even think Magors were a faction that I was expecting to see, um, at the event. Um, but these were probably the closest, um, games I had up to the final. Um, in the first game, I remember I was basically just hiding from him and then he hidden pathed in with, Magor hit uh, Gallangan for two, which inspired Magor. I played my turn because uh, that was just basically my last restricted slot when we were putting the decks together, and it seemed like a good card to get an extra attack out of, um, which would also help for keep them guessing, which I also had. Um, so I played my turn, and I basically misplay it because even though I was playing my turn, I wasn't thinking that maybe he would also have my turn. And so I push, when I push Magor, I push him like basically one space away from my leader. And so then he plays my turn, because of course I hit him. 
and then moves right next to uh, Ilvari and just kills her. <laughs> Oof. And that was like the second activation of the game. Oh, no. Um, and then, so I was like, oh, no. And I think I had, I had, I had Withering in my hand. I tried to cast it, and then it failed. And I had Unmaking in my hand. I had Akshi in my hand. And I was like, I'm going to save these like for the kill or whatever. And uh, so then I had just a handful of magic cards that were dead. Um, and then in my activation, I think I did manage to kill Magor with uh, Scathiel. And then I just hid from him the rest of the game, basically. And he moved his guys up. And then I think he met a spectral winged Riptooth at one point. And it really all came down to I had Gallangan alive and Anslane alive, like hiding in the corner um, <laughs> of the board. Yeah, it was. They were the most cowardly trees like ever. <laughs> and I had Crown of Avarice on Gallagher, and he was the only one that could be reached. Um, and it was the start of the third activation. And I don't think he really even had another choice other than to kill him, because otherwise, then Gallagher would just keep smacking people. Um, and his range in that matchup is very, very powerful. Um, so he killed him, and that uh, gave me a glory for the kill. But of course, I didn't have Gallagher anymore, so it's kind of a trade-off. But um, it put him up, I think, by one glory, and then I was able to put, I was able to use that glory to put sudden growth on Anslane, get her out of danger, and then with my last activation, I moved Anslane and ended up having to actually jump into a lethal hex with her to put her in the one spot that would score me alone in the darkness. Nice. And then he wasn't able to score anything because of how cowardly I was being, basically. <laughs> and uh corn would not by, approve. i won that game by one um yeah you won six is, to five yeah Oof. six to five which is it's a very low scoring game very low and very tight like it really could have went so many different ways um so that yeah, was I, close and then the second game basically he just obliterated me <laughs> <laughs> he got revenge like, for you running away man yeah. corn was not pleased yeah, I think he had hidden paths in the either his opening hand or he drew into it pretty quick. And then uh, I had keep them guessing, which can be kind of difficult to score because you have to get that attack action off. So somebody has to be in range. Um, and I m- remember I moved Anslane up into range of, I think, Gartok. And then he played Distraction to push her back. And so then I had to do a charge with Yothari to sort of bait Riptooth in so that I could still attack with Anslane to score keep them guessing. And it, I mean, I say bait, but like it wasn't much of a bait because then he just come and he came in and destroyed Yulthari <laughs> and then just killed everything else too. So I think the only two glory I did score, or I didn't score very much, but it was like keep them guessing and like one or two other things. Um, so he wiped me out pretty good that game. I think uh, a worthy thing to mention here is that I glanced over at your first game. It looked like you were losing to me, just with mm-hmm. uh, as much killing as there had been. I just assumed that he had won that. And then I definitely saw you get crushed in the second game. So I turned, I finished mine. I turned to Aman at this point. I was like, hey, man, it's all on you over here in your god-awful mirror match. Uh, you're going to have to win this to get us through. Uh and then Amon glanced over. He's like, hey, why are they playing a third game? I was like, oh, oh, I guess I was wrong. Yeah, so. you, you freaked me out. And I remember I was like, why are you playing a third game? And Jonathan's like, oh, wow, it's, it's, a, it's a tiebreaker. 
And I was like, oh, so you both went one and one? He goes, yeah. And I immediately just grabbed your shoulder. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that, was, that was funny. But, yeah, you stressed me out hard for, like, a good 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, and then the third game was interesting because at that point um, I actually went aggressive on him. And uh, he I went in with Galligan, and then he went in with Magor. And I had my turn again, and this time I, like, thought about what I was doing. And I moved away from Magor and hit him even farther away from Galligan. Um, and that sort of, I think, left him at one or two health, uh, probably two health at that point, um, just sitting there. And then I think Galligan was blocking Riptooth or something like that. And then I also had a pretty clutch Curse of the Dwindling go off with no buffs. It just went off um, on two magic dice. And I put that on Riptooth. So Riptooth was down to two swords, which is mm, pretty crazy. terrible. Yeah. And then Magor had already charged. It was like one of the first things that had happened. And so then I think in that first round, I think I managed to kill Magor. Riptooth was not really doing anything with the two swords. Um, and then he did end up killing Anslain and Galligan eventually. But I think I had just slowed him down too much at that point. And then eventually I put Crown of Avarice on Scathiel to make him unattractive to kill. And I think I had Sudden Growth and um, Potion of Constitution and Eldritch Ward on Yothari. And so I basically just attacked and cast spells with her the whole third round. I was able to win that final one. So after those first two nail biters, <laughs> one of them finally went uh, more decidedly my way but they were really great games i think that was probably the uh most challenging one uh, definitely in the first four for me and uh matt was great to play and I'd, I'd love to play him again and i did get to play him again the next day which was great as well yeah as did i he was he's a real tight player i, I kind of picked up on it just watching him play you and seeing the seeing a couple moves i remember thinking like okay this guy's got his business together um and that was confirmed the next day yeah, yeah, definitely. We had a very pleasant conversation with him the next day as well. Fortunately, didn't get to play him, but seems like he knows what he's doing, especially with those aggro warbands. Um, he plays them very well. So, uh, Jonathan, just to recap, you went six and fourteen the second game, and then fifteen to six the third game. So I guess Elthari really did hold it down. Um, in my yeah. game, man, mirrors are tough. Um, <laughs> Especially that one. That sounds like a nightmare. It was, man. It's like, uh, it, it really just comes down to who can ramp up faster. And I think the the biggest player in this matchup, again, is Kazgan, right? Because his mobility. And he can, if you inspire him quickly, he can one-shot everybody on that warband except for Bjorgen. <clears throat> and, you know, because you're playing Profiteers, you probably have Trap or Pit Trap. So you can, actually, everybody's a threat. So we get into this first game. And um, my opponent kind of just gets this perfect hand, and he kind of just goes to town. Um, it, it's it's kind of close at the beginning, and then he just kind of runs away with it, and I lose uh, 7 to 14. He just, like, blitz down my guys, right? Um, I probably should have tossed my objective hand, but I felt comfortable with what I had and, and probably was a misplay right there. So when we get into the second game, and it's the complete opposite, right? Like things just go perfectly for me. Uh, thing, it's kind of a total flip of, of luck. And I just melt him down and I comfortably win 15 to 8. 
And so at that point, you know, that's when that whole scare happened where you freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, after Jonathan had secured his game, I felt a little bit more comfortable. Um, but again, it, it was a really tight game. Uh, kudos to my opponent. Opponent. Unfortunately, I, I forgot his name and I didn't write it down, but he, he ran those guys really well, ran some interesting cards, including long shot, which was actually really surprising because in this matchup, placement and range is so important. Um, that in certain situations he was able to overcome that just by shooting me with range four. Um, so that one was pretty tight as well, but I was able to kind of pull it out in the end with some uh, with Tome of Offering kind of helping me, and uh, ended up winning that game 15 to 12. So yeah, probably there's Eric Whitley. Eric was a was your opponent on this one. Yeah, he, yeah, Eric. He was super nice guy, um, really friendly and just. It was really fun to play with. It's just unfortunately that matchup sucks, right? So uh, it was it was a very very um, like reactive game to where like okay you move here I'm gonna move there. Okay you're in range. Okay I won't stay in range. Are you charged? Okay try to take advantage of that. Oh man you moved out of my range. You know so charges were like huge in that matchup and again like I. If there's a, if I have to play a mirror match, it's fine, but that's one I dislike very strongly. I think that's worse than Molog versus Molog. So, um, anyways, we got uh, we we managed to uh, skirt by and uh, off to round four. So I guess at this point we were fairly in a good spot. I remember you know we had lunch and and then I spoke to uh, the tournament organizers and and they mentioned that the glory differential in these matchups were where we're like striking, right? So um, just by, you know, glancing at some of the information that they shared, um, you know, like we ended up winning pretty big in some of our, our matchups. Like there was a round where we went plus 55. There's a round where we went plus 72. So like there were times where we really went off and, and that's a huge glory negative for the opposing team. And so at one point there were only two positive teams, which were us and the people we played in the final, which we'll get to in a bit. And uh, everyone else was negative. I remember at one point in third place, like the team was minus eight and which it was wild. It's hard for me to figure out the math on that, but yeah, it's, I guess because every, every team either played us or our opponents in the final. Yeah. And because we would win by such a large margin that yeah, after a while it sure. starts stacking up. And so uh, I know that people went positive towards the end, but man, it was, it was really eye-opening to see that, and so I, I, you know, I really wonder, you know, I guess we were really lucky that we prepared so strongly in our our decks and like and our matchups and anticipated, you know, what we would kind of see, and so I think are the other team, which were the the box lunch Wheaties, who we met in the final, they were were fantastic as well in that their their uh, reading of the meta and then their execution, but that's uh, the Wheaties box rejects. Was was oh was that their name yeah it's, yeah yeah it's just a little bit complicated <laughs> um, but yeah absolutely so um just yeah that was just something that I observed that I thought was odd but uh, round four um, at this point we kind of knew that we were going to go into the final because you know the way they had changed it um, unless something drastically went wrong in this match like we were pretty confident that you know this is this is kind of like just one more step before we got into where we wanted to be. And so the opposing team ha- was playing Molog, uh, Profiteers, and a surprisingly curveball out of left or, or like you know left field is uh, Sepulchral Guard. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was like really it was really uh, really um it was really interesting. So again, we won the roll off. So again, four rounds in a row, I've won the roll off. So uh, my dice are not loaded. I just uh, I guess luck was on my side. <laughs> um, I remember one of my opponents like rolled four dice and got nothing. And then I rolled four dice and I got a double. And I was like, I, I guess I win. <laughs> um, but so uh, at this point, because we were confident that we would probably make it into the final, um, we were like, okay, so Jonathan's the you know objective killer. Let's throw him in the guard. So we win the roll off and we threw Jonathan into the guard. And uh, immediately they were like, the guy who was playing Molog, who was their team captain, he was like, well, I don't want to play Molog Mare, so I'm going to play you. And then, in, in like me and Davey both like, yes, um, yeah. uh, like slyly. And then uh, Davey was left with the profiteer. So, so Davey, why don't you walk us through how that one went? So this was against uh, Josh, who I will say, uh, certainly up until this point, was the cagiest opponent I'd played so far. We were playing our first one, and I we ended up longboards yet again. And uh he figured out kind of halfway through what was going on. He, he's like, uh, no, I'm in trouble, you know, cause I, I created enough distance and had gotten enough passive that I was starting to accelerate away. And he was, uh, he was desperately starved. And I, I knew this, this was, uh, this was a matchup. I felt pretty good with if I could longboard it because, uh, I would put enough blocking and distance that you can starve a lot of the, uh, a lot of the profiteers score immediately, which require them to get some sort of result on an attack. Um, and the the real cagey thing he did uh, early on in this game was once he figured out that he could not catch back up, he he stopped discarding objectives and he stopped showing cards because uh, he figured I'm going down this game, I'm just going to take it on the chin and I'm going to keep this information secret. And so I was going in the second game and I did not know nearly as much of his deck as he knew of mine. Uh, which was, I thought, a, a real clever move. And then he came out with the the perfect game plan where he pushed, he just picked two of his fighters, hey, I'm going to use uh, I'm going to use Lund and I'm going to use uh, Draxkewer. And he pushed the two of them up into my face and then used uh, Seek the Sky Vessel and pushed them even harder uh, so that I was really backed in the corner, got them inspired off of some, uh, off of some objectives. And then the, then the game was on. This was... Uh, this is really tight here. Um, and uh, we had an interesting mini game where I knew that he was, uh, that he was, I was almost certain that he had rebound. I think maybe I had seen it in the, in the previous game. And uh, I was getting to the point where I was going to have to come and swing at him, which was obviously dangerous for clear reasons. Uh, so I ended up, I ended up bags, using a bag of tricks to dig for, um, for forceful denial just to try and stack all the odds in my favor before I went in and then uh, uh, waited as long as I could, but then I had to make that attack. I did manage to kill crack skewer. Uh, But then even then Lund uh, managed, I tried to retreat with a, uh, with a commanding stride out of the way and he distracted me back out in the open. And then Lund was just like movie style taking shot after shot in the monologue. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was just getting, you know, like the villain at the back getting knocked back and knocked back towards that plate glass window that was about to go crashing out and die. Uh, but I managed to equip Tome of Healing. So he'd shoot me for two, and then I'd read the Tome to get back one and just uh, keep the keep the guaranteed survival uh, on the board. And I had just starved him enough that uh, that the, the Tomes carried it out. So uh, 
I pulled the win on that, but that was the, the most pucker. That was the closest that Molly came to dying the whole thing. And it was all through round three. I was like steam coming out of my ears trying to figure out how to keep him alive. Um, man, I'd already kind of committed so many tomes to him that I couldn't, I couldn't bail uh, onto a different tome carrier and still, uh, and still be confident about getting the win. So, and uh, did you successfully that. forceful denial the rebound? I did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just consider it as I'm moving forceful denial to a, a I'm moving um, rebound to a one and six instead of a, a one and three. So, um, but he he did really well to put put me in that position, and he he did have indeed have rebound. I denied it. So, awesome. Yeah. Big sigh of relief came out two and zero, oh and uh, went to go see what you guys were doing. Yeah. Uh, 14 to two and 14 and five. So, uh, it doesn't sound like it's a very high scoring Molog deck, but again, the whole plan is to just like deny glory. Right. So, yeah, the, the important part is that I'm starving the opponent and, uh, less important to be scoring huge. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, you played guard. Uh, how was that? Yeah, I did. Um, and honestly, I think this is probably like my most ideal matchup for the Thorns, uh, especially the way that I was playing them. The only card that I think I probably didn't score um, easily the whole thing was Alone in the Darkness, just because of how many skeletons there are. Um, generally, the the issue, I think, for the guard is that they're not very hard to kill. Um, and because I'm so fast with the Silver Map and... Um, because I'm generally pretty accurate with two hammers or the equivalent, um, I was really able to just go in and just start killing, uh, the skeletons. Um, and I, I, I believe his general strategy was to get objectives and things like that, but I was also able to destroy objectives very easily. I think I got unmaking out in both games, uh, very early. I may have also had leech power pretty early as well. Um, I know I won boards the first game, um, and I made sure that, uh, the objectives were not really in a good place for him. One of them was in the middle, and then he had two on, in his board, and I had two on mine, so that I could try to get reclaimed the Lemon Cheery. Um, but basically all my attacks went through. His one defense dice on the skeletons didn't really do too much, and he was bringing guys back, but I was killing them almost as quickly. So um, both of those games went pretty well in my favor. Um, I think I scored through most of my deck, and I got a lot of kills. I know particularly the second game, Anslane got the spear out early and was just popping petitioners. Uh, (laughs) Popping petitioners. Yeah, her range is so, so good. She can move four and then hit for two with that spear. Um, And it's... You know, if the defense rolls don't go through, then uh, you're just gonna start double tapping people. So. Yeah, and they roll only one dodge, so. Yeah, yeah, they're favorite. really not in, in the aggro meta right now. It's really hard for them to take, you know, four charges in a turn or something like that. Yeah, you uh, you did really well. You went 20 and seven and 20 and one. So yeah. The second game, yeah. you just you. You gave him no mercy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that Step he... Step on the throat. I think yeah. he recognized pretty quickly that it wasn't going to go well either way, and uh, it had been a long day, and so I think uh, particularly some of that second game, we were just kind of going through the motions <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, so. well, uh, 
not complaining, you know, the, yeah. you, you, yeah. you crushed it. Um, so then I went into, again, Molog and, um, again, this was the strategy though, again, right? So we go into the game and like right off the bat, um, really boisterous fellow, really enjoyed the game and he's just getting there and just plops Molog right in the front, like first hex closest that he could on a wide board and, or sorry, on a, I think he longboarded me so that there's just less, less gaps and he can just kind of swing around. And so he went in and uh, I actually managed to take Moloch down fairly early. I think it was somewhere between the second phase um, where he had scored about four or five glory and then kind of just had things line up, pit trap, trap. And so it worked out and I won the first game 12 to six. And so then right after that, um, you know, opponent mentions, like, I haven't dropped a game with Molog all day. You're the first game I've dropped. Uh, and so that gave me a little bit of confidence. But again, you know, kind of didn't, you know, I've learned from being overconfident in the past. So just <clears throat> went into the next game. And it was really funny. I kept trying to score a warning shot with Allenson. But Allenson kept rolling crits. And he kept doing, on two fury, by the way. <laughs> and just kept doing one damage to Molog over and over and over again. <laughs> and so at this point, I'm like, man, this guy's <laughs> like, I guess, screw scoring the glory. Like, let's just get in there and, and I guess finish the job. Like, I think out of the eight damage that I ended up doing to Molog in the second game, uh, three of them were from Allenson. Just crits in a row. And it was just crazy. So, uh, again, just managed to get in there and just take Molog out in the first phase. Um, no thanks to Allenson. And so... Um, or with no, I guess with a lot of effort from Allenson, I say, and uh, won 14 to three. So at that point, you know, we had quite handedly won the round. Our opponents were fantastic, but um, I guess we were just ready for the final. So we have a uh, a brief meeting, and there's a little bit of, uh, I suppose, uh, like a the painting competition. And so Duncan from uh, what was the name again? Box Lunch Rejects. Uh, Wheaties Box Rejects. Wheaties Box Rejects. So uh, he won. He had a fantastically painted monologue, used some really interesting techniques. So he won Best Painted. So shout out to Duncan Bills. And then we go into the fifth round. And so um, as my teammates know, this is something that I I knew we were going to go into this match from the beginning, right? Um, I told everybody from day one, like, we're going to meet Dean Bills in the finals with his team. Um, and for those of you who don't, Recall, Dean Bills beat me in the final for Adepticon with his Thorns against my Curse Breakers. And uh, it was a really close game, very well played to him. And so we get into the final round, and, and I had a feeling that he was going to be playing uh, Thorns, right? He just plays them so well. And then I had a feeling that I, I didn't know which one of his brothers was coming, if, if, if not both. But again, uh, Molog was going to be there. And then we kind of just assumed that curse breakers was going to be like that wild factor that everybody took. Cause there was so much hype around power unbound and everyone's like yelling that curse breakers are broken, but turns out it's not, it's Molog. But, uh, <laughs> so we get in there and, uh, we lose the role. And so like, crap, man, here goes second place all over again. And then Davey's like, Davey goes in full dad mode. He's like, Hey, don't tilt focus on the game. Like, you know, we got this. So they like step aside and they start, um, strategizing and then they come back and go we want to put our curse breakers into Molog 
and I remember me and Davey just looked at each other. Poker facing this, it, yeah. Yeah, we poker faced it, but we just like made eye contact, and we had this like mental communication like, damn, they made a huge mistake. So we go into it, and um, then I look at it, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, Jonathan, we pretty much designed your deck to beat objectives, and like we prepared for this matchup. Like you got to take the thorns, and he goes, I think I can do it. I'm like, attaboy, let's go. And then naturally that left with me, unsurprisingly, Molog. So, um, <laughs> Davey, how did that game go? Well, so just as you were playing your fourth Molog of the day, I was playing against my fourth Curse Breaker of the day. Uh, I had uh, Victor coming out of Chicago. And uh, I, so we set up, once again, long boards, and he deployed way at the back, which I felt pretty good about. Uh, even to the extent that I, I uh, kind of pump faked, I, I advanced Molog forward with the plan to advance him uh, to, to retreat either with a move or even with a uh, uh, shadowed step or illusory fighter, just to kind of conceal what, what I was doing early on. I still had the chance for scoring objectives. And then uh, to my advantage, he actually, uh, he frozen and timed me uh, I, I tried to forceful denial it because I still wanted to be able to walk backwards and score objectives. Uh, but then he forceful denied my forceful denial. Uh, so we had a big oh, string like of rolls. Inception. Yeah. <laughs> so his denial fa- failed, my denial failed, and then his, uh, his frozen in time went off. Uh, and then he also uh, cruel taunted me. And so I think, I think it continued to kind of conceal it for longer because then when I retreated, he thought maybe I was... Uh, just not liking my aggro situation anymore, uh, and then right at the end it became clear what I was doing with the with the tomes. And uh, at, at that moment, he he said, "I we shouldn't have put me in this matchup." Like he he knew at the end of the first game, uh, he knew what he needed to do in the second game. He won boards, put us wide. Uh, I put the uh, soul refractor down to mess up uh, spells, the line of sight for gambit spells and for uh, curse breaker, so he couldn't pop his. Uh, pop his spells off, and then uh, I felt pretty proud of the way I, I played this with positioning Moloch, so he, he never got very many swings. And uh, I managed to do a trick I'd done a couple times earlier in the day where I got Tome of Warfare out uh, and then spent actions reading it to build up attack dice and then came flying around the corner and uh, and smushed, smushed Curse Breaker, uh, I, I should say uh, one Rastus, um, scoring strong start defensive strike and the kill um, for, for a big gain there. And then uh, and then had enough of an advantage there that I was able to push to the back. And I, I won the first one bigger. The second one I won 15-10, although it felt pretty pretty handy. I, I didn't feel like I was uh, too in danger of, of losing that one. Um, was able to uh, starve the best I could. He had a pretty, he had a lot of uh, potential passive glory. He had some objectives in there for, for not moving. Uh, for casting spells, but uh, if you know, the the bottom line was that if we were going to be in a, a passive scoring race, I was going to win that. Uh, and right. so, um, so yeah, I, I got uh, I got through the final two zero. I stood up, walked away, had a drink of water, went to the bathroom, and then came back to see what you guys were doing. I just wanted to have a a quick second to like give my give myself a, a chance to clear my head know that I'd kind of done what I needed to do for the team and then uh, and then come back and, and see where see where we stood yeah I mean so number one I guess if you guys have been paying attention uh, Davey went undefeated the whole day didn't drop a single game so uh, 
Huge shout out. Davey was the MVP of the day. Um, another interesting thing. Oh, so you won the first game 12-5, and then you mentioned second game 15-10. But I really like how you use the Soul Refractor in second game, which is strangely a board that people use against Moloch. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really yeah. neat. That I, I was uh, Shaishin, Stardile, and, and Soul Refractor all day um, just be, because uh, I had the mobility to kind of um, to take advantage of the, the block hexes there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Jonathan? Thorns. This is it's a big one. Yeah, yeah. This was a, a really interesting matchup. Um, it was interesting because going into it and expecting um, Dean's deck to be almost purely objectives, um, which it ended up being. Um, I felt like I probably had a pretty good chance of beating him. Um, but as I found out as I was playing him, um, Dean is an excellent objective player and um i love playing people like that who know their deck inside and out and um you could uh, really it just seemed the entire time like he was one step ahead of me um which is just great like it's it's so cool to see somebody that good and you can like i wouldn't even have thought that an objective deck could really work as well as it was working um, and a lot of it has to do with card draw and luck and things like that. And they were both very close games. But um, in the first one, he uh, killed Galligan basically in just two attacks from the Everhanged, um, which was not great for me. Um, I had a little bit of a misplay where I put Anslain on guard instead of uh, Ilthari. And I it was fine because I had changed tactics and I was going to charge with her anyway. But... It would have been better if I had done Ilthari first and then charged um, with her. So I ended up going on guard and then charging with Ilthari and then later on charging with Hanslane, um, which kind of got my glory uh, coming out in a weird order. Um, <clears throat> but basically all came down to the very end where I had Ilthari uh, actually equipped with Nullstone Spear um, attacking the queen, and I had to choose between trying to kill the queen who was harder to kill and killing another one of his fighters. Um, And I wanted to keep my options open. So when I hit the queen who had already charged, I chose to leave her in range. And that ended up being a mistake because she was also next to an objective. Um, And I guess I just hadn't noticed that Dean hadn't scored supremacy and our only way out because the Everhand who was still alive was also nowhere near an objective. But in the very, in his one of his uh, right before his last activation, he teleported the Everhang back into his area right next to an objective and then moved onto it. So he was then on three objectives and next to one of them. So I was at that point, I was pretty sure he was going to get me, but I had to gamble on uh, him just not having a, a sidestep, <laughs> and. Uh, I went to for a charge to kill one of the guys on the objective. I killed it. I got uh, my kill somebody for a charge card. And uh, then he had sidestep. <laughs> so he got about five glory <laughs> at the end um, for supremacy on our only way out. And uh, I'm pretty sure I never drew uh, Abazal's Unmaking in that game, um, which would have helped a lot. I do believe I got um, Leech Power, so that helped as well because I, I'm pretty sure he was running 
two or three of the hold objective one and four and two and three and those kind of cards. So, um, but he just he just got me at the end of that first game. I think I was up by two or three, and then he scored about five or six at the end. Um, so he got me that first game, and then the second game was similar. I think it was probably even closer. Um, he, I believe he won the boards this time. We were both so tired at this point that when we rolled for boards, we like both confused what the roll even meant. And we thought I had won boards and it took us like a minute to even figure out like who had won and what that actually meant. <laughs> so that was kind of weird. But, um, he set up the, I think it's the, the Animus Forge board um, defensively, like diagonally against me. And in that game, he ended up, uh, so he got to place the, I got to place the objectives, but he placed, um, I'm trying to think what he did. Anyway, there was an objective all the way in the back of my territory that um, I was basically just wanting to hide from him. But the uh, he ended up getting a ghost on it, and at that point I either had to go back and try to stop that ghost, or go forward and just try to wipe everybody else out. So I decided to just keep going forward, and it all basically came down to uh, in the second round he had three people on objectives, and I had distraction in my hand, and so I played distraction, pushed Varclav off of an objective. And I pushed him closer to me because that would make him easier to charge. And it turned out I had pushed him, of the four possible places I could push him, I pushed him in the one spot where Earthquake would allow him to get everybody back on objectives. Because on one objective, he had two ghosts next to each other. So the Earthquake would put one off, put another one on. And then on the other one, the ghost was next to a uh, block text. So he, he couldn't move. So that was that seemed like an incredible play, and uh, that I had just picked the wrong one, and maybe that was something Dean was <laughs> was hoping I would do. So um, that was a really really interesting play there, and that got him maybe two or three glory from that. And then um, I think at the very end there, I tried to attack uh, Varclav I think three times with Scathiel, and I I needed to at least hit him. Um, and if I had crit, it would have killed him because I had great strength, but I missed that, and uh, he got me again at the very end there. <laughs> and then I looked at my deck that time, and Unmaking was all the way at the bottom of my deck. Oh, man. Um, but, but those were great games, and like I think I learned a lot just from watching him play and the way he would basically just allow me to kill stuff and then continue to position in such a way that um, he would have options to score each time. And there was never really like, like there were there were right choices for me to make and better and worse choices, but he it was never I, I was felt like I was never in a very good situation, and it always felt like he had the cards to put himself back where he needed to be, and it just worked out. So it was a great experience, and uh, I'd love to play him again because I feel like I learned a lot just from that experience. Yeah, yeah, they were they were pretty tight. You your first game was seventeen to twenty one. And then the second game was 15 to 8. So, or 18, excuse me. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, both close. times I thought I might have won. 
Yeah, um, and you and scored a lot of glory came down. Yeah. yeah, it really just came down to like what he had in his hand at the end, and he pulled it out both times. So it was great. Yeah, I remember you if, saying. If I that, have to lose, that's how I want to do it. Right. Yeah, I remember you saying that there was like moments where the game, like the, the, the scores aren't indicative of actually how close the game was. And that there was just like a one or two moments in each game that kind of made it seem like there was a big swing when, um, you know, it really it really was much closer than that. Yeah, well, most of the time it was, I mean, what was the score on the first one? Uh, he won by five, 17, or right, four, right. 17 to 21, he won by four. Math is hard. Yeah, so I think he, he scored five because of those three objectives. So if if I had pushed the queen one more spot, I would have won. Right. I was I was hoping that I would be able to kill her because I had the the nullstone spear which gets a reroll. So there was a pretty good chance. But then when he had the teleport and the move, I was forced to leave the queen there and go stop you know a potential supremacy, which he was then able to secure anyway. So that was like a, a micro decision that I made that was you know incorrect. And then in the next one, I think that was even closer, 15 to 18 or something like that. Yep, three glory. Yeah, and if, if Varklav, you know, had been maybe even just pushed at the end, or definitely if he had died, um, that probably would have been different too. So super, super tight games, and it really just hinged on that big score at the end that he was able to get. So Yeah, and you got unlucky with unmaking too, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Although leech power was definitely uh, helpful for both of those. Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of a little bit of luck goes a long way. Uh, <laughs> we got into uh, my, uh, I guess, what, fourth monologue of the day. Um, and so we I paid Duncan Bills, fantastic player, um, super tough games. So uh, first game was pretty insane. It was very rapidly turned into like uh, just a smack fest, right? Like monologue. It's a hyper aggressive monologue deck. Like, very greedy in some of the cards he took, and it was just smack, 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 smack. So we get in there and just start shooting each other apart. Or actually, I'm shooting. He's swinging. And then uh, I remember like Molog would miss some. Like he had like uh, two dice with a reroll, and he would miss. And then um, you know I'd be like, thank God. And then be like, do me a favor and roll your defense dice. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so of course I roll my defense dice and I fail and he just slams down upper hand and then boom splat you know there goes my dwarf um, so he was literally playing whack-a-mole with me for a while and then I managed to kill Molog in the third uh, third phase no sorry I didn't kill Molog in this game um, it's starting to all blur together but uh, it was just really tough and then at one point it's just Thunderk and it's just Molog and I'm like, man, this is, is dicey. So Moloch traverses all the way to my end, a Feinway Bjorgen over, and I just start shooting squigs. And then when he gets to Lund, I hidden pass Lund away. Uh, and then he hidden pass uh, Moloch away, right next to Lund. And I'm just like, oh, man, um, here we go. So uh, Lund ends up saving himself the first round, which I think was super pivotal. I uh, ended up rolling a defense. And then uh, he, you know, Unfortunately, got smushed the next round. And then it comes down to this one roll where last activation of the game, Molong swings at Thundrick. Thundrick was at six wounds due to Ancestral Fortitude. And he rolls a crit and a, sh- uh, and a hammer. And so he looks at me 
and uh, he goes, you need two crits to live. And I don't know why I didn't register that I only needed a crit and a shield, but I literally just, like, rolled my eyes because, like, who's going to roll two crits, right, on defense? So I literally looked at Josh Miller, and we had, like, a crowd around the table. Uh, Josh Miller, who's who had played Molog in the first round from Canada, and we just look at each other, and I just, like, roll my eyes. Like, don't even look at the dice tray. I just roll my dice. And then it's, like, stunned silence. I'm like, why is everybody so quiet right now? I look at the uh, at my dice board or my dice tray. It's two crits, and it was <laughs> it was crazy. Like people are like, "Oh my god!" And it was just like wild. And so I, I literally like I just stared at it because I was like I was like, "This is not real." And then I, when it registered, it happened. I look at Duncan, and Duncan's like literally like <laughs> he, head in his hands, like this is unbelievable. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, and then so I like got up and like I just like. Phew, you know, like, like, you know, I was like, yes, let's do it. And then Davey comes, he's like, one more game, man, you got this. I'm like, you know, let's go. And, and Jonathan, you were still playing your second game. So we get into it and uh, I was like, okay, cool. You know, we, we got, we got lucky in the first game. Let's try to do this again. Um, so this time um, Duncan got Tome of Offerings very early on in the second game. And so he was even more aggressive than he was in the first game. And he ended up killing uh, three of my uh, dwarves. He killed Kazgan, again, off an upper hand, which he missed and then made me roll a defense dice, and I failed. And he slammed upper hand down. That card is so silly. And uh, smacked Kazgan off the face of the earth and then eliminated Lund and Iron Hill fairly soon after. So I'm looking at this glory, and I'd won the first game 13-12. to 12. I, I barely won. And so this game, I'm like, man, this is not looking good. Um, but again, when it comes with Molog, if you get too aggressive, it kind of puts you in a pickle. And I just took him out. And I was really surprised. I was like, holy crap, Molog's dead. The second phase isn't even over. Oh my goodness, I have a shot. I'm at seven glory right now. He's stuck at 12. I just need to get five more. Or, sorry, yeah, six more to win the game. So we go through the motions, and then uh, it's crazy. Like, Allenson, he's actually pretty pretty nasty when he's inspired in close combat. And, and like, you mentioned this in one of the in one of our conversations, Dave. We were, like, on the card art. He's, like, just getting in there, like, swinging his sword around. Yeah. Right? And, and you, were like, you were like, it's so funny that this guy is, like, look, he's, like, such a badass in some of this card art. But he just, like, ends up, like, calculating, risking, and, or martyring himself through lethal hexes. <laughs> or just like, is bait. And so it was really funny because I thought of that moment because I hidden paths in and swiped at the spite shroom. And he was and Duncan was like, OK, so I take a damage. I was like, no, nah, dude, he hits on hammers and you take two damage. Um, and, you know, I was like I was surprised myself because I have never used that attack before with <laughs> Allenson. So the spite shroom goes down. And, you know, as I mentioned, there was a little crowd around the game. And so I'm not going to mention who it is, but you know who you are. Um, literally goes, oh, yeah, Allenson takes a damage. And we just both look at the guy, and then Duncan goes, oh, yeah, you take a damage. And the thing is, is the Spite Shroom's, like, explosion upon death is a reaction. So if you don't say that you're using the reaction, you don't take the damage, right? Your opponent doesn't take the damage. Um, but unfortunately, um, we, you know, someone in the crowd mentioned that. And it did kind of flip the game a little bit. And, and I'll tell you why is because... Um, at that point, it's Allenson, Thundrick, and the Batswig. They're the only ones left. And everybody's in their territory. I had a hidden path in Fainway over there. And so Allenson can't move. And the Batsquig moves over right onto the objective in front of Allenson. 
And so I knew what was coming. Like, uh, Thunder couldn't move. He had charged. So, uh, Batsquig hits and does two damage. And, uh, or, or, yeah, something like that. And so it was upsetting because, like, he has three wounds. So if he hadn't reacted, which I don't believe Duncan would have, because honestly, Duncan had forgotten, um, Allenson would have still been alive and it would have forced another attack and I maybe could have defended it. Who knows? I mean, it's a little bit of a variable, but, uh, we end up getting to the point where um, the Batsquick has done four activations, although he did go on guard twice, which I don't think is legal. But I guess – and Jonathan, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I uh, I just don't – I guess it was just a high-stakes game, a lot of pressure. I didn't really think about it. Um, but I'm pretty sure you can go on guard twice in the same uh, phase. And then uh, the game's over, and so in the third end phase, it's 12-12, and I'm like, crap. We're both on an objective. Thundrix on objective. Batsquick's on objective. And I know he's trying to score a card. So in the final activation, I slam down uh, one step ahead, roll a dice, get a crit. And I'm like, you're trying to score heroic effort. You can't score it anymore. And Duncan just looks at me like, damn. <laughs> and and that was the card he was going to score. So that would have won him the game. And I remember Randall Slate was there. He had just finished coaching his 40K team. And he like – like like jumps out of his chair and like looks at the card and he was like, what card is that? <laughs> um, and uh, it was really cool to, to actually have it pan out in such a defining moment because I took the card just for this matchup. Well, specifically for tomes, I think we had it in there to, to shut down tomes or any big swings like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a superior tactician or something like that. But um it uh, it just ended up, or like maybe even uh, what's that card that you really like, Jonathan for Godsworn, where everyone dies. Yeah, pure carnage. Pure carnage. Pure carnage. So like that was yeah, another one. Like it's like stop one of those big swing cards, and and I just called it on heroic effort on the bat squig of all of all monsters or, or fighters, and so then um, we look at it. We're both on objective, so like I guess we're like damn, we tied 12-12. So we're getting ready to roll into our third game. And then uh, T.O. comes over and he's like, hey, you guys got eight minutes. And then we, everyone looks at him like, what do you mean we have eight minutes? He's like, well, we have a hard stop at, at this time. And there was, like, I guess it was a bit of miscommunication because, like, Duncan and I were the team captains of our teams. And we didn't know there, were time, there was a timer on the round. Um, but every other captain did in the crowd. Yeah. And I, I was at the far end of the table, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan was in between me and I, the T.O. had stood over my table and said it. I assumed he'd walk to each game and, and said it. So I, I certainly had heard that, you know, uh, we had we had the hard stop. So I didn't realize I ended up stepping back and not not being involved in the discussion. Just let it play out. But yeah. Yeah. And I remember right before the timing, you know, you came in again and I was like really frustrated that I couldn't get that one more glory. And uh you're like, Amon, just, you got this, man. Like, calm down, take a deep breath. Like, no pressure. Like, you, you can do it. And I really appreciated that. And we get in, and then Teal goes, eight minutes. And I looked at Duncan, and I was like, we can't get a game in in eight minutes. He was like, well, we can get the first round in. And I was like, what? So you can just slam Molog in the front and, like, swing at me? Like, that's not a true in, in, indicative of the game. Like, in all of our games, Molog got an early glory league, but I was able to come back, you know? And I was like, I don't think that's that that's going to work. And then... We started discussing it, and then we were like, okay, fine, maybe let's play the game. And then, you know, we had run out. And so it kind of felt bad, honestly, to win like that. Um, but, you know, because I had won by one glory in the previous game, and this was a tie, and we weren't able to play a third game, 
it kind of came down to, well, uh, the glory differential and, and I won. And, um, again, like it felt bad, but at the same time, you know, like there's a moment in where you have to like, and I've mentioned this in some of my previous articles on my blog, where like luck is a factor. And I guess in this moment with the double crit and then tying, um, and running out of time, like, I guess we got lucky. Like we weren't slow playing, like we weren't playing really fast either, but like, cause we didn't know we had a time limit. So like we were making jokes in between games or during the games. I remember at one point we were waiting on a TO to answer a question, but, uh, I mean like there was no malicious play there and, and I truly feel bad that we couldn't play a third game. And, and that kind of like put a little asterisk behind the win. And then like later we're talking and, uh, you know, I'm just like recapping it. And Jonathan, I remember you just go look at me and you're like, wait, who was on the objective? You killed Molog. And I was like, oh, it was the Bat Squig. And then you go, Bat Squig can't hold objectives. And I was like, my jaw just dropped. And I was like, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely correct. The Bat Squig cannot control or hold an objective. And so I, I guess we found out after the packs, but so it does make it feel a little bit better. But, um, I mean, I guess we did win on a technicality, but that's quick can't hold objectives. So I won that game fair and square. And so uh, that made me feel a lot better about the win and the trophy overall. I mean, either way, it was a fantastic experience. And like, you know, like we had trained, like we worked hard, we planned for it. Luck went our way. Like we did it. And honestly, like, you know, Davey, you were really the MVP of the day because you didn't drop a single game. But man, like that was, those are some tense games, man. Like it was a lot of fun, but boy, oh boy, like, you mentioned like Puckerville at one point, like, dude, that whole final, man, it was just, I was just <laughs> stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and this is not going to be some, uh, false Midwest modesty. It's kind of how we designed it was we, you know, we designed Molag to have a, a strong game into most things. There were a couple bad matches. And I, I will say Dean at the end of this, as soon as he kind of realized what we were playing, he, he said, he said if he if he'd uh, if they'd done any scouting at all, there's no way they would have picked the matchups they did, um, and so uh, that 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 was a huge swing to us. But but just having having Molag into Curse Breakers, which is a matchup I felt comfortable with, four out of five. That that kind of let me. Mo- most of my games were just sort of making sure that I kept the win percentage as high as could be, you know, I, I might go into it like feeling like I had 75, 25 and then just make decisions to inch it further and further uh, away into, uh, you know, I, it often felt like my decisions were not like, Oh, will this win me? It was like, is, am I, am I making sure that there's no, I was shutting down any like long bomb possibilities of like crazy dice somehow turning the game, mm-hmm. uh, which is a different way to play. But, and especially in the team environment, I felt totally fine playing again and again into the same matchups because I, I knew I was playing a role for the team, which is it was an interesting interesting uh, aspect of this kind of format. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, and you're right. We had a plan. You know, you into Curse Breakers, me into Molog, and Jonathan into Objectives. And for the most part, I mean, like, it worked out. Like, we got lucky with some uh, roll-offs in the beginning, but even when it didn't go our way, the matchups were exactly what we wanted them to be. So from a preparation standpoint, like I'm really happy that it worked out that way because that's what we wanted. And so I guess, um, you know, not to sound corny or anything, but I guess, you know, I love it when a plan comes together. Mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of what happened. Right. So really exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was very very satisfying to see what we thought would happen happen and then uh, successfully counter it. So yeah, I don't know if I would really change anything um, in what we did. So very very satisfied with that result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very happy that we were able to pull it, and uh, we are the uh, I guess world first grand battle champions. Yeah, team, yeah. Team Path to Glory, or as some others would say, Team Podcast. Pod Squad. <laughs> the Pod Squad. <laughs> pod Squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to maybe doing it again next year. Yeah, and also I wanted to make a quick shout out to the people. The people that were awesome. Um, so many times over, I've said the Underworlds community has the best community out there, and I cannot have been proven more been proven more right than this event. I mean, everybody oh, I there is so kind. Absolutely. It's amazing. Um, yeah, special shout great. out special shout out goes to um, Brandon Huss, who played Molog. We played him the next day, and his son Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if he's nine or twelve, but man, he plays those gits with some fire. And uh, it was fantastic meeting him. And uh, Taylor, keep keep going hard, keep practicing, because in a couple years you're going to be kicking all of our butts at a Grand Clash, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've met a lot of cool people. It was really cool um, to meeting people that listen to the podcast and uh, appreciate some of the content that we put out. And uh, just feels good. I I did. Uh... I did forget to mention my first round. Mark, uh, when I started talking to him, he, he turned out to be a listener, not only of your, of your guys' podcast, but mine as well. And his, his first comment was, uh, man, you, you sound a lot taller on your podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> I apparently got to wear some platform shoes to the next event I go to to live up to expectations. So, uh, yeah. Uh, no, it was great. It was, uh, it was a fun event to be part of. Yeah, it was the first uh, Grand Clash or I guess Grand Battle or anything like that that I'd been to. So uh, it, was, it was a great experience and I uh, can't wait to do some more at Nova or SoCal and stuff like that. So. Yeah, looking forward to it. I know that uh, some of our friends across the pond are saying that they're going to come through next year. So if we All are right. going to go back and defend our belt, then uh, <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a crazy one. Cool. It'll be great to bring the event uh, to the next level. Yes, sure. absolutely. Cool. So I think that is our ATC experience. You guys have anything else you want to add? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the only thing I'd like to say is when it comes to these team events, like planning is everything. And, uh, you know, our planning and foresight paid off. Really liked the format of the event. I know that some people were kind of concerned about uh, sharing a pool of cards, and although it does kind of skew it to where warbands with stronger uh, faction cards just end up being selected more, I think that in the future, as Season 3, uh, which should be, I guess, revealed soon, um, you know, as it pans out, I guess if the, if the, if the warbands are more balanced in the future, like, I still think you could have taken any warband to this event and done well, like, and so for for anyone who is curious about it, definitely try it. Come out next year. If there's another event, do totally play it because it's a lot of fun. And playing Underworlds as a team was a brand new experience for me. And honestly, it was probably some of the most fun I ever had. 
um, especially like analyzing our decisions or just laughing about some of the crazy things that happened. Um, so I can't stress this enough. Play with your friends, build a team, get out there and travel if you need to, and, and just play some Underworlds because I loved it. It was a truly a great format. And uh, shout out again to the amazing opponents that we had that day, uh, especially on the second day as well, and just people who were there in general. Very kind, very sweet, and uh, obviously have an amazing uh, passion for Underworld. So loved it. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the kind of format I would want to do like once a year probably. I, I think so. I like the I like the different take on it. I liked all the new deck building challenges it brought and the matchup challenges. All all that was uh was real fun and uh it was exciting when we'd come against like when we saw Magors pop up in round three, like, oh when you know, like how does that factor into our planning? So uh, I I liked how it brought uh new and unexpected um, shifts. And uh and you still had to play with a lot of unknown information. Like I I I kept on figuring, uh, you know, I'm, this guy chose to play against me, and it means he's probably got some, you know, is it, that increases the odds that I'm I'm looking at a rebound in the deck somewhere because they they thought this was the matchup that they wanted. So, uh, but the the whole game of like trying to figure out what they had in their deck um, was was even more difficult than usual since you knew it was spread out across multiple uh, multiple players. True. I think we're going to move to our next segment now, which is listener questions. Um, we actually got a question from Brandon Huss, um, who was at the event. It was cool to meet him. And his question is, hey, guys, would you be willing to talk about when to draw cards in games? Just general information about why you can or about what you consider when you decide to draw cards. Um, he says he finds it a pretty hard decision to make, especially when you have score immediately cards in your hand, too. What do you guys think about that? Just in general, like when do you decide to draw a card? Or uh, I think early is more likely because it, you're you're wanting to draw cards before you commit to increase the resources you have in hand. Um, if you if you know there's cards that you have that will either increase your chances of doing what you want to do or uh, or give you uh, an out. Uh, like uh, I remember watching Aman at. Uh, the Adepticon finals where he'd have Commanding Stride, where so he'd charge with Curse Breaker and then Commanding Stride backwards. So that was a, a way of uh, sort of risk mitigation where he could he could uh, retreat back out. So increasing resources early is a is a good idea. Um, and then figuring out if you can afford to do it is, is another one. So you map out your turn, right? You you know what objectives you have in hand, uh, and sometimes you're also planning for something you might draw into. But you, I, I would make a plan, for instance, if I if I had Burst of Speed uh, and Tome of Glories, I'd say, okay, well, that's, I need three actions. I need to move, I need to move, and then while and end on an objective, uh, I'll need to use the Tome of Glories to get, get that one more. Uh, that leaves me with one action to spare. Is there something important I need to do with that, or can I draw a card to uh, increase the resources I have in hand to make sure that I do the things that I, I'm going to try to do here? Um, so... Uh, I guess that's usually my thought process uh, as far as when when drawing a card is appropriate. I don't know if uh, if that matches up with you guys uh, with your general thinking on it. I would uh, I would generally agree. I think I think you made some very valid points, and for the most part, yes. Um, especially when you take double up cards, like maybe you're taking acrobatic and spectral armor, or uh, predatory growls and distraction. Um, I think, or fueled by fury, or potion of rage, like. Those are cards that kind of do the same thing. And so 
ensuring that you're able to follow your deck's game plan is really important. But one thing that I really like as well is, um, especially at the beginning of the game, like you mentioned, there are moments when you know you're kind of waiting to kind of see what the opponent's going to do. And so if you feel like you have a clear-cut objective of what your deck is going to do, sometimes it's best to just sit back and just draw a card. It doesn't really hurt you. Um, you're not putting your fighters in a negative position unless they're in charge range. Then you should probably move them out unless you want to take a charge. And um, it just gives you more options to not only play with, but also like you get to react to your opponent. And I think reacting in, in Underworlds outside from the rule itself, which is great, is, is a fantastic way to kind of go about understanding how the game will flow. So, for example, you know, like if I was playing against Molog and you weren't really sure what kind of Molog it is, one of the tactics you could use is like, you know what, I'm just going to draw a card first activation. If you lose the roll and you're forced to go first. And if Molog doesn't start walking towards you or start swinging at you, and instead decides to, you know, say in the back, then maybe you have an idea of what your opponent's doing, and all you gave up was you drew one card, which is not even a bad thing because you just gained another resource. And so that's also another time what I would consider drawing a card, but generally earlier the better because from the second phase onwards, you know, things start getting really intense, and especially in terms of attacks and charges. And so if you're going to draw cards, you're probably going to want to do it at the very beginning of the game or at the end of the game if you're fishing for something in particular, if that helps. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, you guys pretty much covered. The only thing that I would probably add is that it's possible that if you find yourself having to change out your cards a lot or you, you, you constantly feel like you don't have the card you need or especially with objectives, like if you constantly find that your objective hands aren't working, um, then you may want to go back to deck building mm -hmm. and see if maybe that's the problem um, and that's what i like about some of the deck draw simulators um, like the one on underworld's db and i think most of the other ones have it as well you can just click through that a little bit and see what draws will lock you out and i think some people would even go as far to say that you shouldn't have an objective combination in your deck that you wouldn't want to keep i know that uh i think that's something that john reese talked about in one of his grand clash profiteers decks or there was, there was not a hand that he would not accept. Um, and I think as close as you can get to that, the better. Um, and same with the ploys. If you constantly find yourself drawing for movement ploys, then you know maybe you need more of them. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, one thing I would like to point out is that I generally don't toss objective cards. Um, yeah. So to your point, when I mentioned drawing cards, uh, or when I just did, that applies to only power cards. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare that I'll mulligan my objective hands. Like I almost never do that. Um, every now and then I'll switch one out, but it's it's kind of a last resort usually when I'm going for a score immediately or something because I know I have a lot of them in my deck. But um, I think that was a pretty good answer to that question. Um, the next that's the only question we have this time. So our next segment is going to be community shoutouts. The first thing I wanted to mention was that the battle cast. Um, the YouTube channel um, has been doing some really great um, deck reviews on some of the Season 1 factions. Um, they had one on Chosen Axes and another one on the Sepulchral Guard today. Um, and I thought they were great. They're, prob they're almost exactly how I would want to run those factions. And they, you know, had a, they're, they're by players that have been playing these factions for a long time. So they had a lot of good insights that I hadn't thought about as well. So 
Um, we'll be sure to link those in the show notes if you want to try uh, either of those factions. And then I would just keep an eye on his channel because I'm sure he's going to do more um, like that. So um, <clears throat> that was the first one that I had there. Um, the next one we have is Steel City Underworlds did a, like they wrote a book practically <laughs> on uh, their Grand Clash recap. It's a, It took me like 30 minutes to read. <laughs> and I think it's just part one. So yes um, it's part one yeah if you have an afternoon to kill and you want to hear about their uh experience they go through um in excellent detail like why they put their you know what they thought about when they were putting their decks together and then each matchup um it's really a great read and i can't wait for the second part so yeah i remember we were both reading it and we were like man i was like man i'm only at this point and you're like i'm not even there yet <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was uh it was a uh, it was a long read but it was very well worth it i think so Shout out to the Seal City team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next one we have is the upcoming White Dwarf is coming out with a new game mode, uh, Arena Mortis, which is um, for multiple players, and you each just control one fighter. And John Reese at Can You Roll a Crit has an article with the, sort of the basics of the rules and his thoughts on it. Um, so if you're interested in that game mode, I would definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing we, got, we have is the... We were reached out by to by Wayne Davies, a player in the UK, um, and he is in the Cheltenham slash Gloucester area in the UK. I probably butchered that. Uh, I think you nailed it, actually. <laughs> I had no idea. I was going to say, like, Gloucester, but Gloucester sounds even better, yeah. yeah who knows? I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you could Google that. David, you want to give that one a go? Or? I think you guys are doing just fine. <laughs> Um, and he is having an event on the 8th of August, I believe, um, with his gaming club. And we'll be sure to link the um, Facebook event for that if you're in the area. Um, definitely check it out. I looked at the Facebook invite, and um, it seems like they have quite a few players going already. Um, a couple well-known players seem to be interested in it as well on the Facebook. So. Um, if you're in the area, I would definitely check it out. Um, Wayne says that the club is friendly. They have a bar. And if they have more than eight people, they're going to give out the glass trophies. So I'd go for it. I wish any of the places near me had bars. I don't think that's a thing in Texas. Actually, they play we games do, have, and have, we do bars. have one in Houston. Oh, well, yeah. I'll have to check that out sometime. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come through and we'll, we'll, we'll have a good time. Have yeah, Cool. I think, uh, I think that's all we have. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Davey, for joining us on this episode. Before we close it out, did you have anything that you wanted to say? Uh, again, everyone, Davey is one of the uh, hosts on the What the Hex podcast, which is uh, Warhammer Underworld's largest and most followed podcast. Fun fact here. And so um, uh, it's a great listen. I recommend you listen to it. And I'm sure, Davey, you got some uh, some plugs and, and some feedback for or I guess some shout outs that you'd like to make as well. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, thanks for having me on. Had a great time. Uh, my, I would say probably joint favorite thing for this weekend was putting so many, so many names to, to faces. And, uh, that was great. I, I could try to list them off and I'm going to leave people out. So I'm, I'm going to back away from that, but, uh, you know, who you are and, and, uh, just, just chatting with people and all, all the folks you see on Facebook and a tiny, tiny picture and then get to get to see what they look like, like a real person. Uh, or or be at Discord or anything like that. But yeah, we do our thing. We're every every couple Mondays over at What the Hex, and 
Jonathan, Dave's been on been on the one already, and I'm on. I think we're uh, trying to figure out how to get you over there too, mm -hmm. uh, bring some of your wisdom. So it's uh, part of what's cool about this community is all the sort of cross pollination between the the different projects and all that. So I uh, I was real happy to be part of the team. Real happy to have not uh, showed up from the great white north and, and uh, screwed all up for the Texans and uh, and I'm glad to get here to talk about it as well so absolutely we loved having you and uh, you are also Texan you lived in Austin for eight years oh yeah 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 I, I was uh, I, would, I would tell people I was uh, born in Texas got married in Texas first child born in Texas so pretty and I, I even brought brought, uh, brought down and wore my battle flag of Gonzalez hat yeah uh, you did come and take a can hat to rep for the, the Texas uh, Texas side of things so it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we loved having you, man. Uh, I'm sure Jonathan will agree as well. Not only were you an excellent teammate, but also an excellent uh, guest on this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, guys, if you haven't listened to What the Hex, I highly recommend you do so. It's a fantastic podcast, consistent, excellent content. And Davey just sounds like a smooth jazz operator. So you know, <laughs> uh, give it a listen. It's fantastic. But other than that, Thank you, everyone. I think that's it for this episode. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Path to Gory Podcast. You can also follow us on Podbean. You'll also find the show notes there as well. You can also rate us on iTunes and I think Spotify as well. So uh, if you do prefer those mediums, then definitely check us out. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. Real nice.